3: I've been
4: a fan of uh, Jonah Goldberg's for a long time, and I was looking at uh, something in his press piece here where it says he has a trademark blend. I I love a good trademark blend Mm, Delicious of political history, social science, economics, and pop culture. What you got to like?
5: Indeed, what a pleasure this is to welcome Jonah Goldberg to the Armstrong and Getty Show for the first time in uh, quite a long while. Jonah, how are you, sir?
6: Hey, it's great to be here. I think the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, when it put out its coffee line, called it <laughs> yes. <a> trademark blend. <laughs>
5: yes, delicious. <laughs> Fabulous. Now, listen, we need to talk to Jonah about all sorts of stuff, but his book, his new book, Suicide of the West, uh, is, is absolutely fantastic. I'm well into it, enjoying the heck out of it, but the full t- title is The Suicide of the West, How the Rebirth of Tribalism, Populism, Nationalism, and Identity Politics is Destroying American Democracy. What that's is the, the length of most yeah. books that yeah. I what read? Is that is the title? threat to democracy of overlong subtitles, <laughs> Jonah.
6: <laughs> well, you know, you got you, know, you gotta give a little something for everybody.
5: Well, that's know? right. Yeah, it's you're, like, uh, you're. It's a title designed by committee. You well, know, I'll, I'll, and, uh, and you're competing on the shelves. We get it.
4: <laughs> on this show, we've been screaming, "We're doomed" for years, but you seem to have put it in a very. Thinking man's a, a way of saying we're doomed. Yeah, let's can yeah,
6: we? I've been giving a speech for about ten years titled "Cheer Up for the Worst Is Yet to Come." <laughs>
5: <laughs> beautiful, beautiful.
6: And um, but I have to say, look, I, I get it. I guess I didn't appreciate it so much when before the book came out. Everyone thinks it's this incredibly gloomy title, and I think that's totally understandable and fair. But it's actually not that gloomy book. That gloomy book, if you can get to the end, um, because a big part of my argument is that we should be profoundly grateful for how good we've got it.
5: Right, indeed. And
6: how great uh, Western, whatever you want to call it, Western civilization, liberal democratic capitalism, the American mir- miracle. There's this, you know, for, for two hundred fifty to 300,000 years, the average human being everywhere in the world lived on about $3 a day.
5: Yeah, I love Rome, your, your early uh, space alien analogy. Share that with the folks.
6: Yeah. So, like, um, I begin the book with this sort of thought experiment. Imagine you're an alien assigned to uh, keeping tabs on the progress of Homo sapiens. Um, and let's assume that Homo sapiens appear 250,000 years ago. Um, your first visit, you would write in your little journal uh, semi hairless apes foraging and fighting for food. Come back, you only come back once every 10,000 years. You come back 10,000 years, you'd write, Semi hairless apes foraging and fighting for food, no change. You would write the same thing pretty much with some tweaks about immigration or migration patterns and whatnot 23 times, 230,000 years. On the 24th time, you see these amazing changes. You'd see the first beginnings of, like, city-states. You'd see stone and even metal tools in some places. Uh, you'd, ha- you'd see the first emergence of something that is a novel thing in human experience called the home, where people would leave and live in little huts or stone you know, uh, domiciles. And then you come back in another 10,000 years, and you can't, can't wait to see what happened. Your spaceship would be picked up by NORAD, and you'd probably get here just in time to see, I don't know, Miley Cyrus twerking at the Super Bowl. <laughs> and which is to say that all of human progress—that we all the stuff that we associate with human material progress—has happened in the last ten thousand years. But that's misleading because it's sort of like me saying, you know, between me and the Koch brothers, our combined net worth is over seventy-five billion dollars. Right. Because almost all of that progress has happened in the last three hundred years, and it happened because of one thing: what I call the miracle—this change that brings about. Western democratic capitalism, liberal democracy, you know, the Lockean Revolution, whatever you want to call it. I call it the miracle, where for the first time in all of human history, the average human being made more than $3 a day, start, and life expectancy went up, rapes and slavery started to go down. All of the things that we associate with a prosperous society started to improve then and only then.
4: And what's interesting is those are all ideas. It's in our DNA for life to be nasty, violent, brutish, and short. It's it's the ideas that change that.
5: Well, and and indeed, in terms of uh, raw computing power, physical you know attributes, etc., ancient ancient man is very very similar to us. So it, it's not like suddenly you know we began breeding with some cerebral ape or something and acquired a great naturally brain. benevolent ape. Uh, well, right, yeah. It it is ideas that have spurred this incredible growth.
6: That's right. So, like, um, I think one of the core insights of conservatism is this idea that human nature really has no history Um, in the sense that, look, if you took a baby from, I don't know, New Rochelle and you sent it back a 1,000 years to some Viking village to be raised by Vikings, when that baby grew up, it would be pillaging the, the English countryside if you took a Viking baby from a 1,000 years ago and you sent it to New Rochelle, it grew up to be an orthodontist.
5: <laughs> Pillaging suburbanites say, you know, for questionable <laughs> dental care.
6: One of my favorite intellectuals, Hannah Arendt, said, every generation, Western civilization, is invaded by barbarians. We call them children. Hmm.
4: You
6: know, we're great. all born ignorant, naked, penniless, and the only thing that turns us into Flourishing citizens and decent people is the civilization we're born into, starting with this tiny civilization we call the family.
5: Now, Jonah, I don't want to jump the gun. Jonah Goldberg is with us. His new book is Suicide of the West. Uh, But we broadcast all over the American West. We indeed call ourselves the voice of the West just because we think it's hilariously self-aggrandizing. But we broadcast to many flamingly liberal areas, and I can already hear the objections. Yes, but Western civilization is full of this ism and that ism and this sin and that sin. But that's kind of the point of your book, isn't it? That seeing the, the glory along with the faults.
6: Yeah, I'm entirely in favor of talking about the bad things that have happened in our past and the West's past. That's all fine. But, and, and, and it's necessary, right? We should be telling the truth. But my problem with the way we do things these days is that that's the only story we're allowed to tell, right, is the bad stuff. And, you know, one of my favorite uh, social scientists, Seymour Martin Lipset, he used to say, if you only know one country, you don't know any countries, because you need to be able to compare your society with other societies. And so when people say Western civilization is full of racism or imperialism or greed or this or that or the other thing, I'm always like, OK, compared to who? Right. And if America is so terrible... Why is it the most tolerant, least racist, major industrialized country, you know, around? Why is it that these things have all been getting better? Why do we have to focus purely on the bad side of the equation? Why do we have to emphasize, you know, the vestigial little bits of, of, of intolerance or sexism or racism and all of these kinds of things, why can't we celebrate the fact that these trend lines have been improving for 300 years? Every society in human history had slavery at one point or another. That's not what makes what the West interesting. What's interesting about the West is that we got rid of slavery. And yet you would hear – you talk to some college kids and you would think – that slavery is an inherently Western idea, that slavery is an inherently American institution. And that is just profoundly historically ignorant. I mean, and, and, but it, it's, it's the way we're taught, in part because our values and our principles are so good that we're so ashamed of the fact that we had slavery. And I don't want to get rid of the shame that we had slavery, but I'd also like to have a little pride in the fact that we got rid of it.
4: Jonah Goldberg's book is Suicide of the West, so that's, you know, all positive stuff, with this great thing that's happened in the last couple hundred years and it's going was going the right direction, but you feel like we're headed the wrong direction now?
6: Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, uh, part of our biggest problem is that we are just simply, on the right and the left to a certain extent, we are wallowing in resentment and in ingratitude. And we are focusing on um, sort of uh, this we're retreating back into these sort of like tribal conceptions of politics where, you know, the other team is the enemy and something is worth doing. You know, you hear this stuff all the time on both the right and the left about how, you know, you got to do this, um, you know, to own the libs because their tears are delicious. <laughs> you know, I, I, I talk to college kids all the time, conservative college kids all the time. And one of the things I always try to tell them is like, look, you know, fight political correctness. By all means, fight political correctness. But just because rudeness is politically incorrect is not a defense of rudeness. You know, you need to be making an argument trying to persuade people. If all you're trying to do is punch the other side in the nose, you're part of the problem. And that is so much of our politics these days. You know, I, I, one of my favorite New Yorker cartoons, my wife once got a, it got a blown up and framed for me for my birthday and it's got two dogs drinking martinis at a bar, and one dog says to the other, you know, it's not good enough that dogs succeed. Cats must also fail.
5: <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. And that's beautiful society
6: we're living in right oh, now. Oh,
5: yeah, no doubt. Know? So Jonah Goldberg's book is Suicide of the West. The subtitle is How the Rebirth of Tribalism, Populism, Nationalism, and Identity Politics is Destroying American Democracy. And I know a lot of your reasoning about how that's happening is a return to our more nasty, brutish, human nature type instincts. And if we can take a quick break, uh, let's pursue that thought on the other side. Sounds good. Jordan Goldberg.
4: Appreciate you taking some time with us today. Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting stuff. And we we talk about it a lot, just not with as many big words. Uh, Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
5: Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation
1: message and data rate
5: the armstrong and getty show
4: well i'm picking out uh, chunks of jonah goldberg's new book suicide of the west in this particular one this is actually from an article blasting him for his uh jonah for his uh, attitudes on rock and roll maybe we'll get into that later <laughs> but anyway it got to this the emphasis on emotion is the tribal mind's way of fighting its way back into the centrality of our lives people focusing on emotional arguments as opposed to facts and science mm. it's 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 the
5: tribal way of living fighting its way back into our lives let's go there with jonah goldberg emotionalism tribalism identity politics that sort of thing jonah thanks for hanging around we appreciate it
7: hey
6: great to be here um yeah, look, I mean I, I think people can overthink this. I haven't seen this piece attacking me about rock and roll, but I keep seeing matches of it on Twitter. Um, um I'm, I'm sure it's very thoughtful. But
4: um, it, it's, it says I'll read it to you. It's from the day this is from the Daily Caller. Jethro Tull question mark, really Jonah? How Jonah Goldberg gets rock and roll all wrong.
5: Oh, Lord. <laughs> I
1: don't, oh, I don't, I don't no, know what he's talking don't. about. Please, please don't don't respond
7: to it. <laughs>
5: We'll tweet, so, we'll tweet something horrible at them on your behalf. Let's get back to the book.
6: <laughs> yeah, so, look, I, I think people, and I, it sounds like they have overth- can overthink some of these things, but the, the general point is that, you know, our emotions sort of basically by definition don't come from our reasonable part of our brain, right? I mean, David Hume talks about how our reason can be basically the slave to our passions, But the the simple fact is is that our emotional responses to things is just another way of saying our instinctual responses to things, right? Jealousy is an emotional response. It is also a hardwired instinctual response that that goes back hundreds of thousands of years. And one of the things I think that has changed Western civilization for the worse has been, and this is where I kind of disagree with Steve Pinker on a lot of this stuff, is that when you lose the idea of being God-fearing, right, this idea that there is some moral absolute authority outside of yourself that is watching you and watching what you're doing, even when you're alone, it becomes much easier to listen to your own inner primitive, right? And now we live in a, in a very romantic time where people are told and taught and, and, and encouraged through popular culture that our feelings are the ultimate arbiter of our truths, Right. That, that you know, you listen to your listen to yourself, listen you know, listen to your gut, um, uh, embrace your own instincts. That that somehow is a a, a truer. Um, form of truer way of making judgments about things and if if that's true then basically you have license to do whatever you feel passionate about and so much of our culture is shot through with this sort of inward looking understanding of morality and ethics and hollywood is full of this stuff and i think you can make allowances for it. I'm not like I'm not against rock and roll. I like rock and roll. I'm not against popular culture. I'm not. I, I a, I'm an insane student of popular culture. It's, you know, I live for popular culture. But there are moral messages that come with it, and and some of them are a real problem. And one of the reasons you get these sort of bonfires of asininity on college campuses <laughs> is where you get these kids. You know, like I remember the the debate, the quote unquote debate. Between the girl at Yale about the Halloween costume controversy right. and this sort of RA guy and the, the this sort of the dorm master, they call him. You're not allowed to call him master anymore because, you know, that conjures up slavery. Sure. Um, I wonder how anybody's going to get a master's anymore from <laughs> Yale. But... Um, The guy says, hey, look, let's have a conversation about this. Let's debate this. You know, let's 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 let us reason together. And this girl starts screaming at him. I don't want I don't want to debate. I don't want to argue. I want you to respect my feelings. This is why Ben Shapiro is constantly talking about facts don't care about your feelings. And this is a real challenge in our culture, because if if. If we don't have the ability to sort of bridge our feelings and actually agree on a common set of rules and and, and logic and reason and facts, it's very difficult to persuade anybody. And if you lose persuasion, you lose democracy.
5: Well, there's an outright rejection of the idea that we ought to rely on facts and reason. I mean, they explicitly deny that and and furthermore uh, suggest that every group and every subgroup should have its own reality.
4: Yeah. Have you followed any of that? some, Some of your college debates? where they're not allowed to have any facts because they feel like it's from a you know a different time. Right. And you just share
5: your reality and see who wins in the debates.
6: Yeah, no, and, I, and I, you know that kind of stuff makes me want to take a bath with a toaster. <laughs> um, because it's, 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 it's profoundly anti-intellectual. You know, one of the reasons why I don't like populism is populism is just basically the plural form of this kind of ridiculousness, mm. right? Um, where a whole bunch of people get together, you know, if one person, you know, this is one of the problems with politics in general. If one person says two plus two is five, they're an idiot. If a million people say two plus two is five, they're a constituency. And you start pandering to them. So populism is where large numbers of people get worked up about their passions, and that is what unifies them. And William Jennings Bryan sort of summed it up really well. You know, he was the guy, the free silver guy from the 19th century, and he said, you know, the people of Nebraska are for free silver. Therefore, I am for free silver. I will look up the arguments later. Mm. And That's the way you I do like it. I like the arguments. I want to be able to have an argument, and I want to be able to you know, deal in facts and reason. It doesn't mean you can't have emotion. doesn't mean you can't be passionate about something. But your passion should be in service to something larger than just simply whatever you know, feelings you have in your widow tummy.
5: Jonah Goldberg is on the line. The book is "Suicide of the West." So, just you know, for folks tuning in, what is the miracle, first of all, that you describe in the book?
6: Yeah. So the miracle is this thing that happened once and only once in all of human history, right? For two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand years, the 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 natural environment for humanity was a short, fairly miserable life that was ended either in violence or some really terrible bowel stewing disease, right? And then once and only once in all of human history, starting in England and then spreading from there, there's this, what I call the Lockean Revolution, which said that our rights come from God, not from government, that we are citizens, not subjects. The government works for us, we don't work for it. That the individual is sovereign, that the fruits of our labors therefore belong to us, not to somebody else. And with that set of ideas and a few others, Prosperity took off for the first time in all of human history for the average human being and has been doing so ever since. And one of the most amazing things about the miracle, and it is truly mirac- miraculous in terms of its transformation of society, is that we really don't know how it happened. And so part of my argument is, you know, if the goose that lays the golden egg comes into your house and starts squeezing out, you know, the equivalent of 10 years' salary every morning, maybe you'll want to protect it. Maybe you want to defend it. Maybe you want to like say thank you to it, right? Not kill it in a riot of resentment, but in a in a riot of gratitude, you take care of it, you extol it, you try to keep it lasting as long as you can.
5: And if it it gets sick,
6: liberal democratic capitalism is the goose that lays the golden egg.
5: Right. And if it gets sick, you try to cure it. You don't deny the sickness, but you don't hate it for its sickness. Jonah, we're out of time. Jonah Goldberg, Suicide of the West. Enjoyed it very much. I hope we can do it again soon. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jonah. Good luck with the book.
3: What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Wide-ranging presser with President Trump, North Korea, Iran, and Cohen. Okay. Coming up minutes from now.
4: Can't wait to hear all that. General Goldberg is great.
5: Oh, yeah. yeah. You should
4: read his columns or watch him when he's on uh, Brett Brett show. The book's terrific. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Two texts on Jonah Goldberg. This one, Jonah Goldberg, perhaps the most enlightening interview ever. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I mean, pretty much just got to get out of the way and let him talk. Mm-hmm. But I wish I'd have read this text before we had him on. Uh, in a previous lifetime, I had frequent contact with Jonah Goldberg on a professional level. In case you're looking for a line or two, he's a sucker for anchorman quotes. If you work one or more in, oh. hilarity will ensue. Oh, damn it. Lines like, sweet Lincoln's mullet. or <laughs> <laughs> Great Great Odin's Raven or by the beard of Zeus, those are guaranteed winners. Damn it! I wish I'd have read that oh, first. We could have bonded. If we would have hit him with the sweet Lincoln's mullet, we'd have had him right where
8: we needed oh, him. Oh, damn it! Talk about how many leather-bound books we own. Yeah. Oh my god.
5: You stay classy, San Diego. Stay classy, John.
8: <laughs>
4: Great
3: Odin's raven, it's late. We need to get to the news with Marshall Phillips. North Korea and Iran front and center at the White House photo op slash presser with President Trump and the President of France. Trump expressing a lot of optimism about the eventual denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula and his upcoming meetings with the country's leader.
7: We're having very very good discussions. Uh, Kim Jong-un was, uh, he really has been uh, very open. I think very honorable from everything we're seeing now a lot of promises have been made by north korea over the years but they've never been in this position we have been very very tough on maximum pressure president going on to add we think it'll be a great thing for north korea and it'll be a great thing for the world so we'll see where that all goes maybe it'll be wonderful and maybe it won't and if it's not going to be fair and reasonable and good uh, i will unlike past administrations i will leave the table
4: I'm tired that's of this. Yeah, you know, I'm tired of this narrative from the Trump hating uh, <laughs> media about how he's uh, getting taken for a ride and they're going to cheat. I've, uh, yeah, 90 percent likely they're going to lie to us and cheat. Mm-hmm. So what? So not don't try, don't have a meeting, don't try to get something going. What's what's your point?
5: Uh, it's all pregame show. It's all pregame commentary. They got to yap something, so that's what they yap. He yaps. Trump going on to hammer
3: the
7: Iran nuclear deal during the presser. We paid $150 billion. We gave $1.8 billion in cash. Barrels of cash. It's insane, it's ridiculous, it should have never been made.
3: Asked whether he's going to keep the U.S. in the deal, Trump saying, we'll see. He warned, though, Iran not to consider starting its nuclear
7: program if the
3: U.S. drops out of the accord. They're not
7: going to be restarting anything. They restart it, they're going to have big problems, bigger than they've ever had before.
8: Well, Israel will bomb them, for one thing. Just wanted to get in before the uh, the left starts writing the articles about how the where the barrels of money we didn't see any barrels of money (laughs) Trump lying again
5: we don't need that article it's fine everybody's fine he says all sorts of s
3: it was an expression right meanwhile Trump is also dismissing a question about whether he actually plans to pardon his longtime personal attorney Michael Cohen stupid
7: question.
4: have figured out what cable news does, and Fox did it a lot when Obama was president and MSNBC does it all day long with Trump as president, they present a hypothetical that's almost certainly never going to happen or unlikely to happen, and then they discuss it for like 45 minutes with the smartest people exist on that topic, which is a weird thing to do. So you present something that's most certainly not going to happen, but they need to discuss what if it would for 45 minutes. What, What kind of journalism is that? What if Obama did try to overtake Texas? We've got these experts on. Well, he's not going well, to. Jim, it
5: well, would certainly be unprecedented. Yeah.
8: I, I first noticed this phenomenon in sports broadcasting when they went to things like the NFL Network and when it was just 24 hours right. and you have so much time to fill and you can only report who won the game last night so many times. <laughs> right, right. So now you still have eight more hours of shows to do. So now you start telling people what is going to happen. Well, all the different possible ways that is going to happen. I think this is a byproduct of we have too much quote-unquote news time to fill. If the Patriots
5: were to bench Tom Brady and play a handicapped child at quarterback, (laughs) Jim, what do you think would happen?
4: That's why I think the evening news How should... How
5: would that affect their receiver's roots?
4: <laughs> I've always thought the evening news should vary in length. If it's a busy news day, make it 48 minutes long. If not much happened, make it 12
5: minutes long. Well, it I think a handicapped child won't be able to throw the ball downfield nearly as well as Tom Brady, so I'd say shallow out those roots. Thanks, Thanks Ed. Jim, whichever one you are
3: mayor of <laughs> mayor of san francisco says he's hiring 10 workers whose sole responsibility will be to clean up needles littering the streets but not the poo san francisco Mayor no, the, Mark poo, Farrell.
5: the poo crew does
8: the poo yes. good work if you can get the a needle ace. people
3: do the needles. right Right, the uh, mayor.
8: needle people, very well done. <laughs> Does
4: everything have to rhyme there, Dr. Seuss?
3: <laughs> <laughs> mayor says the needle people will respond to resident complaints and remove the needles and syringes from hot spots every day of the week. All right, what a job that'd be. I'm on the needle crew.
5: Have some good work gloves, huh? A Chicago, I'm using a magnet.
3: A Chicago masseuse is suing Marvel Comics Stan Lee, accusing him of inappropriate behavior, during two massages in 2017. How old would he have been? Well, he's 95 years old. Oh, man! So he'd have been 94.
5: Yes. Hell, if he's acting inappropriately at that age, don't don't sue him. Give him an award. Maria. I mean, that's that's Car- a testament to the human spirit or Ma- something.
3: Maria Carballo's suit's going after $50,000 in damages and attorney fees. The Chicago Tribune reports Lee's attorneys calling the whole thing a shakedown. According to the complaint, Lee fondled himself during the first massage ...and moaned so much during the second... (laughs) No! Old man moaning. Disgusting. Oh, oh
5: boy. Nobody
3: wants that. ...that Carballo stopped the treatment. Lee stood up and angrily demanded she keep massaging him. The complaint also says Carballo was massaging Lee with her feet when he grabbed her foot and touched it to his genitals. Oh, no!
5: A foot job.
3: Stanley. <clears throat> she walked in. She wasn't wearing bloomers. I couldn't control myself.
5: <laughs> there I you I could see her petticoat. <laughs> <laughs> there,
3: there you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The Conscience of the Nation.
4: You know that he he could very well have. Remember that story about George H. W. Yeah. Bush? Yes. He could very have very well have that that part of his brains going away where you don't control yourself.
5: Oh right! That happens
4: in old men. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah, it sounds like a shake. Pretty though. decent excuse though. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But apparently that can happen. You, you get back to more your, um, you know, core desires, and your brain doesn't control right. that anymore.
5: Yeah. Uh, that's grim. It's the same part of your brain they say doesn't fully develop until your mid late twenties, but then it goes away. No. Yeah. Sucky.
4: Um, we have got the petering out coming up and um, and and some stuff to fill it with, so that's good. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
7: Armstrong and Getty.
5: The conscience of the nation.
1: Two Republican Colorado lawmakers have introduced a bill that would punish teachers with jail time if they go on strike. Hey, these are public school teachers. You can't scare them with jail. So wait, no kids and there's a
3: place to lie down?
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Sign me up.
5: Yay. Yay.
4: So Amazon is going to start delivering packages to the trunk of your car, which is a pretty cool idea. If you're not home or whatever, you don't want it left on the porch. These are things
8: I've ordered in theory. Uh,
4: (laughs) (laughs) You have to have a 2015 or later certain kind of cars and have an active account with OnStar so that they can open your trunk. But then, so Amazon would you know you you buy something you're not gonna be home or whatever they come to the parking lot they open up the trunk of your car put it in there and close the
5: trunk. Wow, how handy is that? Well, that's uh, kind of appealing. I'm having something delivered uh, by those uh, same fine folks in a couple of days, and it's kind of expensive-ish. And I'm hoping they don't just leave it on the porch.
4: Huh? Yeah. Well, yeah. they do
3: a lot. It, yeah. Well, I've had stuff left unwrapped like a <laughs> DVD player type. Thing. It's just left there on the porch with an address label on it.
5: Mm, really? Yeah. That's uncool. Luckily, we don't allow crime in my neighborhood. So I don't think stuff gets stolen that much, though, as a total. Because there are gazillions oh, no. of packages delivered every day? No, as a percentage, it's tiny. But if it happens to you, it's bad enough. Port pirates. I say hang them. So
4: Stormy Daniels has a new movie out. She's resumed her adult film star career. Fornicating on uh, camera. Her new movie, uh, first new movie since the Trump scandal broke, called Stormy Secret, in which the self-described MILF goddess plays a writer looking to get her creative juices going.
5: (sighs) That was full of
4: unfortunate. The teaser clip on the Brazzers website has already racked up more than 150,000 views in two days. All right. Good for that. Christening the Cougar is the name of a new movie, and I'm not going to say the name of that one or the name of that one. So, uh, okay. Mm She had taken a break from porn. I'm sure porn. they're
5: clever. I hate to miss them.
4: She had taken a break for, from porn because uh, she had a back injury in uh, a couple years back. But now she's back, so, okay,
5: fantastic. I'm sorry to hear about her her injury, certainly. Did it, uh, I guess, couldn't you limit yourself to various activities and not other ones? Wear that brace. It's not sexy.
4: Wear the UPS driver brace. <laughs>
5: Well, she could do a groovy. Uh, I'm a UPS. I'm a horny UPS driver. So speaking scene.
4: speaking of sexy stuff, so you got this restaurant in the San Francisco Bay Area, Homeroom Mac and Cheese, that's come up with a color col- a color coded sexual harassment system. So the became aware that the 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 people that work there, you know, I'm sure most of the time it's women who are waitresses getting. Um, unwanted this or that from some of the customers. That's super uncool and I can't believe y'all do that, but some of you are doing that. And so um, they've come up with this color-coded system. This this one waitress told the owner, I uh, was at a table and this guy reached up the shirt, uh, reached up my shirt and touched my stomach and told me I was sexy. Well, you don't want that as a waitress at a restaurant. Yeah, yeah that's wildly uncool. Yeah, you should get arrested for that. But they came up with this color-coded system. So you go back to the A manager, and you say, I've got a yellow on table one. A yellow is the server's getting a weird vibe that feels uncomfortable. Well, geez, that's pretty broad. A weird vibe. an orange is when someone makes an inappropriate comment that could have sexual undertones. So once again, completely subjective. From weird vibe to that could have sexual undertones, which everything can if you want it to.
5: Yeah, I wonder. And a
4: red in which a customer makes overt, obscene comments, or touches you. But so if you go to the manager and say, I've got an orange at table two under the current policy, the manager automatically has to take over the table. And an orange is when someone makes an you know, something that could have sexual undertones.
5: You know, I can absolutely see where this would be abused or people would overreact, particularly particularly in the Bay Area um, or any one of your progressive enclaves where people are desperate to be offended. On the other hand, you know, as a, as a dad of daughters and a guy who used to work in, in the restaurant industry, waitresses have a pretty good instinct for when things have taken an uncomfortable turn. And if they told me, as you know, I was a burly fellow at the back in my food service days, a young man, um, and they'd occasionally say something to me, and I, you know, kind of i would i would go over there as a manager and just kind of keep an eye on the situation, you know, make sure it didn't get uncool. But again, I leave you beholder. Who knows? Hmm. This customer's the sort who's about to start perving on me. They get a pretty good instinct for that.
4: What kind of restaurant is this, though? So I don't know. If you're at like a sports barish sort of place, doesn't that happen like eight out of ten tables? Just because space? you're
5: wearing tiny shorts and a halter top, they keep looking at my boobs.
4: Yeah. That sort of thing.
5: I don't
8: know.
1: You got your Michael, your Marshall, your positive shot. Positive shot. Every <laughs> single one of them can get the job done. But Armstrong and Getty. <laughs> Jack
5: and Joe, familiarly.
1: But Armstrong and Getty. Come on, boys. Why not let Eddie? McMahon. Button up the show. Oh, ladies and gentlemen,
5: here.
4: Wow. I liked it. It was long. Here's your host, Joe Getty.
5: Woof. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get a final thought from everybody. Hey, Marshall Phillips, what's your final thought? Well, I tell you, I'm slipping into
3: summer. It's nice and warm where I live. Broke out my shorts yesterday, the old seersuckers.
4: <laughs> there you go. Put oh, out boy. my
3: sandals and went out and
4: played. <laughs> God, it was just yesterday. I saw somebody walking across the street. And I told my wife, nobody ever, no man over forty should be wearing shorts,
5: subjecting to the world to their hey, legs. Hey, hey. Oh, listen to you, positive Sean. Do you have a
8: final thought? Yes, the NBA playoffs are, are really picking up steam. Get them now while they're here. You only have like six more months to watch NBA <laughs> playoffs. But tonight, Buck Celtics is the game I'm looking for. Giannis atatemko.
3: I can't say
5: his name <laughs> ever. <laughs> uh, Michelangelo. Your final thought? Oh uh,
3: yeah, I mentioned it's my uh, girlfriend's birthday today, but I just realized I forgot a birthday card, so I will just fingerprint and give her a printed picture of my palm like I did when it was in kindergarten. There oh, you go. It's very it's how that cute works.
5: And special. Still, still wonderful. Jack, your final thought? USA Today graph this
4: morning, 61% of Americans say too many citizens depend on government for financial aid. think there's too much being handed out. Will Hmm. we do anything about it? No.
5: My final thought is to quote Jonah Goldberg. Identity politics says each group is an immutable category, a permanent tribe. Worse, it works from the assumption that what benefits one group must come at the expense of another.
4: Hmm. It'll never work. Identity politics will never work.
5: You know, long term. uh, Oh, no, no, no. It can only result in violence and death. Uh, I would rather listen to Martin Luther King Jr. than your angry social professor. Sorry.
4: By the way, Jonah Goldberg is going to be at the San Francisco Commonwealth Club May 15th at 630 if you'd like to see him in person.
5: Hey, uh, Hanson, line up another interview with him. We'll chat with him again, pump his appearance up. Hey, we got this text. Happens in old women, too. I can't tell you how many times my old mom said
4: wild stuff about guys' butts in the hospital. So apparently women's part of their brain. I'm to tell my kids, if I start fondling myself when I'm older, put me down. Oh,
5: boy. <laughs> Once wow. I start doing you,
8: that. Oh, boy. When well, I stop, put me down.
4: Armstrong and Getty, <laughs> wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday.
5: I already say ridiculous stuff all the time, and my kids are used to it, so that's no change. So many people have that. Go to armstrongandgetty.com, the website. You can email us, mailbag. At armstrongandgetty.com
4: My kids will say, when were we supposed to put him down? I don't know, this is close enough. Why don't
5: we just air to the side of protecting (laughs) society?
4: (laughs) Awesome. Uh, We will see tomorrow. That song was really good today. Just a little long, but that was pretty entertaining. We'll play it again. Sure. Once, twice, maybe. God bless America.
5: This is a
2: historic act
3: for what we've done
5: thank you and good night
4: <laughs> bye bye yeah the pardons for the guy who wrote rocky
5: five <laughs> armstrong and getty the voice of
2: the west dave ramsey here from the big take from bloomberg news brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world